You are listening to the award-winning The Young Jerks with Mike Crawford. Diana DiZaglio is absolutely fearless. Born to a 17-year-old mother, Diana DiZaglio grew up housing insecure. After being sexually harassed and forced to sign a non-disclosure agreement, Diana fought to end these secret deals for other victims. I'm Diana DiZaglio. I've stood up to Beacon Hill's most powerful politicians to fight for transparency, accountability, and equity. And I'll continue to stand up for you as your next state auditor. Diana will be the people's auditor. Welcome. We're live. Mike Crawford, Young Jerks. We've got a special guest here tonight. Very excited. Massachusetts State Senator Diana DiZoglio. We have her on the audio. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I've been waiting for this to happen for a while. Well, so Diana, I've, you there? I've been waiting to come on too, Mike. I mean, I am really, really excited for the opportunity to chat with your listeners about all the cool things that the auditor can do to help everyday people like us. And I think that, um, look, the auditor's role is really uh, something that's not that well known. And to be honest with you, uh, when you say I'm running for auditor, you get kind of like a a face that that's sort of like, why? <laughs> why would you do that? Uh, and I hear often, look, that's you're a state senator. Question. Yeah, you, so you, people you, will say to me, you're a state senator. Why are you running for auditor? Why do you want to go count beans in a back room? And uh, simple answer is this, my friends, the, the auditor's role here in Massachusetts is not a bean counting role. She is the chief accountability officer for the state of Massachusetts, the person who is responsible for speaking truth to power, for being a whistleblower, for shining a light in the dark areas of our state government, for holding government agencies and powerful politicians accountable to you, the taxpayer, and, uh, you know, making sure the government's working efficiently and effectively. And, uh, you know, she's responsible for transparency, accountability, and equity, or I should say bringing more transparency, accountability, and equity. And I don't think I need to tell any of your listeners this, Mike, but we have a lot of work to do on those fronts here in the state of Massachusetts, where we continue to be ranked as the least transparent and least accessible state government in the entire nation, not being subject to public records laws, uh, not being subject to open meeting laws, having taxpayer-funded NDAs, silence workers about abuse, harassment, and discrimination, and power being centralized into the hands of a few, it makes it really difficult for regular everyday people who are the workers in our communities to get access to what's happening at the state house and to have a voice. Uh, so that's something that I want to make sure that we're able to work on, that I'll be able to take my 10 years of experience in the state legislature um, and more recently as a state senator to fight for regular working families who want nothing more than to have an equal shot and a voice and a seat at the table. Now, this is a very close race for the Democratic primary between you and Chris Dempsey right now. The polls just came out. It's a neck and neck race. Um I'm surprised he's actually doing as well against you, honestly, but uh, I could see why. I mean, there's two different kind of camps in Massachusetts right now. Uh, you both played a great, you know, I, I, I think you're both great candidates. I like you both. Uh, you specifically, because you, you're a, you're a fighter. I'm trying to turn off all the phone calls we're getting right now for you. Yeah, you're, no you're number one, you're a fighter. And we are going to take phone calls, so please keep calling. I, I see yeah. Ed DeSouza on the line. I want to get him on in a second. Uh, 978. Sure. Five six zero three one five five. 
Uh, definitely keep trying callers. We're going to get you on in a second. But uh, I, I want to say that you're definitely, uh, obviously, a fighter. We've seen that at the state house. Yeah, and look, and that's what we need in the state auditor's office. You know, I mean, look, um, a little bit about myself. Some of you know my story. Many of you don't. Uh, I was born to a 17-year-old single mom. I grew up housing insecure, couch surfed for a lot of my childhood. Uh, thanks to family, friends, and community folks, we were able to you know, have a place to live a lot of times when my mom was struggling and couldn't afford a place herself. And she was a young nurse's aide back then. And I ended up graduating from local public school, going off to a local community college, Middlesex Community College uh, in Lowell Bedford. And I ended up uh, getting an associate's degree from there. And that was an associate's degree that I was able to afford thanks to our legislatures and state government's investments in families like mine. Uh, look, every wasted dollar is another child's future opportunities that are put at risk. And that's something that that lived experience is is something I'll take with me to the auditor's office. I ended up earning a scholarship to Wellesley College to become the first in my family to graduate. And the reason why I think it's important to talk about these things is because it really was due to those financial investments made into my future success that I was able to actually see some future success. And knowing that inspired me to give back to my community in whatever way I could. And since I could not do so financially, I went into community service. I served at a young teen girls home as a childhood survivor of domestic violence myself. I wanted to work specifically with young teens who had also survived domestic violence in the home. I worked at Girls Inc. running their after school programs. And I also served at the United Teen Equality Center helping to expand their diversity, equity, and inclusion programming. Simultaneously through these years, friends, I continued to do what I did to make my way through college, which was waitress and clean houses. Because as many working families know, we might love our day job, but it does not always afford us with the opportunity to live with a standard of dignity in the communities that we're working hard to serve in. It's why I've been such a staunch supporter of labor organizations and unionization efforts, especially those at the state house, and why I'm proud to have the support of the Massachusetts Teachers Association, the Massachusetts Nurses Association, the AFL-CIO. And then I'll toss this in there, it's not a union, but also Emily's List, very proud to have Emily's List support for my positions on choice through the last 10 years and my strong advocacy for women. But I will tell you, Mike, look, it was during those years that I actually got offered a job at the State House working in the House of Representatives. I was juggling these different positions and there was a state rep who needed somebody who had deep community ties and spoke fluent Spanish, which I had both to offer that position. And I'll be honest with you, I needed a stable job that eventually offered health insurance. <laughs> so not even knowing what a state representative was at that time, which by the way is why I'm such a passionate advocate for civic education in public schools, um, not even knowing what a state rep was back then, as a younger woman in my 20s, I went in and I... I went to go work at the state house. I got the job and I learned about all of the great things that our state legislature can do from investing in early education to public education and public higher education to fighting against climate change, fighting for environmental justice, fighting for a robust transportation system, fighting for access to healthcare for all. I could go on and on social justice across the board, economic, racial. Uh, we could go across the board with all the great things I learned about that 
we can work on in the state legislature and in state government and make a positive difference on. But I also, during my very short time working there, again, as a younger woman in my 20s, this was many years ago, y'all. I'm 39 years old, pushing 40 right now. But back young. then, yeah, thanks, Michael. Young Thank for you. a state senator. I mean, you I would know, say well, 39 is still young. Yeah, you know what? You're, you're not that far off with that. I am the youngest woman in the Senate still, and this is my 10th year of service in the legislature. So that speaks a lot to you about how much we do need more women to run, younger women to step up and uh, to run. And I hope anybody listening thinks about it. Um, I'll encourage you to run. They say women need to hear it multiple times. So I'll say, uh, I do hope you're considering running if you're listening today and thinking that could be me. Uh, we need your voice. But uh, look, I ended up um, you know, finding out really quickly about the flip side of our state government and what can happen in state government when there is no accountability. And it was during the time working there, uh, you know, in my 20s that I was actually in our own House of Representatives sexually harassed while I was working there. And the way that they thought it was appropriate to make that harassment stop happening was to fire me, Mike, mm. and then require, then require that on my way out the door that I sign a taxpayer-funded non-disclosure agreement that was meant to prevent me from talking about literally anything that I had seen, witnessed, or experienced behind those closed doors on Beacon Hill amongst some of the most powerful politicians in Massachusetts. And that's still binding right now, right? Well, they haven't come after me yet, and I broke it many years ago. Um, <laughs> so I will you. tell you, I, I don't believe that it's binding because I actually, when I came forward, and we'll, we could talk about this, um, we made some changes that that prevented retaliation on that right. front in particular, at least legally. Yeah, you changed um, the law. <laughs> politically, that. not so much. Yeah, but they picked the wrong one with you, which is awesome. Like another thing, I, I mean, I, I love that fight that you came back and you won after they fired you. Well, like, yeah, let me tell so you, because you know my yeah. story, but other people don't. So no. what Mike's talking about is, look, they tried to get rid of me. They tried to dismiss me. They tried to. Uh, you know, fire me and send me packing. And instead of simply going away, like I was told to do and being quiet, like I was told to do, I instead ended up running for state representative myself. And a little over a year later, I made my way back into that same chamber that dismissed me as the youngest woman serving in the House of Representatives at that time and became a state representative. And I will tell you, friends, you just heard my story. This is not something that someone like me ever thought I was going to be doing. I never thought I would ever be running for elected office, uh, especially not a, a, a state level elected office. But there I was elected to serve thousands of people in multiple communities, you know, and it was an incredibly humbling experience. And I knew it was my responsibility to work hard and fight like hell to make sure that other working families in our communities <clears throat> who have also been dismissed, ignored or disenfranchised, maybe for different reasons, right? But for who have also been dismissed, ignored, it's or dis disenfranchised, so I, right. I've had people for whatever the show, reason, the to it's have so representation. Yeah. To have so representation, to have a voice. Absolutely. And and um, again, like we, we're gonna, we have a phone call, so I definitely want to get to the phone call. We have sure. a couple of people actually on standby, just Bill and uh, Ed D'Souza. We're going to get them right on. Sure, sure. Um, but I also want to mention just quickly that you are responsive as well. Like you helped us uh, with the cannabis issue. I reached out to you. You didn't know me. You were responsive, showed up, and you helped. Like that's, for me, I see this all the time that, you know, because we reach out to people on different things. And 
you're one of the folks that always gets back and you, Thanks, Mike, I, because I can tell I think that you're that... from the community because, <laughs> you know, you, you worked in the community, you are the community, you've never stopped being in the community. And I love that you went to a community college. I, I'm a state college graduate too, working class family, first of my fam family to graduate. So I love those stories because I think they're really important for people to hear. Huge, huge. And uh, yeah, look, we're on the same page. And I think that responsiveness and communication with folks in the community is a huge part of these positions and folks think well you know you run for statewide office you know that's it's it's more of like a you know an executive management role so you don't do that as much i beg to differ you know the uh, these are still elected roles and it's still our responsibility of course you know you you have more people <laughs> that you need to get back to it so it might take a little bit longer but of course um you know you do need to make sure that you have your finger on the pulse of what's happening in our local communities. So that communication is incredibly important. And I have a 10 year track record of representing once again, thousands of people in multiple communities, standing up, fighting for them, advocating for them, even when it's cost me politically at the state house to stand up to my own leadership team. You know, it's one thing to stand up to the opposing parties administration. Um, you know, and say, well, you know, we're going to stand up to the Republican administration as Democrats. It's another thing when you're standing up to your own Democratic leadership team, because power is incredibly centralized at the state house, and bills are passed under a cloak of darkness, where very few people have the ability to even participate in what's happening under the Golden Dome right now. I'm a senator saying this. I do not get to read bills before I vote on them quite often. Uh, I am required, and that is that is not for lack of trying, I have got up and demanded at least a minute to read a bill before we had to vote on it and been denied and been denied that opportunity. So uh, you know, we need to make sure that we have a system in state government that is open and transparent so that everybody who wants to participate can participate and have a voice and have a seat at the table where the decisions are made. And is that you, is that you or me with that beeping in? Me. We're getting so many calls right now. No worries, no worries. And is that you, is that you or me with that Can you hear that? Yeah, actually, all right. We have... Uh, Go ahead, you can bring people on the line because yeah, you and I can I'm, talk it's forever. It's funny because I'm sure doing things I've never people. done before. I have, uh, <laughs> let's see if we have Ed D'Souza here. Can you hear us, Ed? Of course he can. Ed, are you there? Do the audio again. Oh, I say I got to go back to road. Ed, are you there? Hello. What's up, Ed D'Souza? You're on the line with uh, State Senator Diana DiZoglio, who, who is running for Massachusetts State Auditor. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can. Yes. Can you hear us? Hey, uh, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. A uh, long time uh, since I've been able to call in. I uh, see you in uh, Senator DiZoglio. Uh, very happy to hear you on here. I think this is a wonderful outlet for you to be able to uh, broadcast your message. Um, Mike, uh, as I'm sure I probably told you, uh, I met Senator Zoglio a couple of years ago and have uh, backed her and spread her word uh, whenever I can. And it was an honor. Well, even though I was working for uh, Senator Shane Diaz at the uh, convention this uh, past uh, summer, I sat there and did just as much advocating for Senator Desoglio as well. Um, you know, wonderful uh, person, and I think the perfect person for the auditor's position. Um, so much so that, you know, again, she answers everything. 
Um, you know, not that she has a million uh, hours in the day to get back, but she finds time. And uh, I'm so grateful that with one of her aides, uh, we were able to uh, locate a new team member that uh, has been working for us for the past year. So, so much thanks goes out to you. Awesome. Edward, thank you so much. That's incredible. I'm so, so, so grateful to have your support. Um, look, <clears throat> like Mike said, we're in a very tight race, so every vote counts. Thank you so, so much for spreading the word and getting the word out there that the primary is an incredibly important election and and there's a lot at stake. So I really, really appreciate that, Edward. That's that's amazing. Thank you. Listen, uh, the thanks I, I appreciate, but it's, it's just uh, this is what happens when you work hard for the people of Massachusetts. And the reason why I'm calling in tonight is there is a segment of people in Massachusetts who um, tried to bring back the idea that moms and pops uh, can compete in this state for new industry. Um, we already know that some of the old industry that we grew up with, whether it be the local hardware stores, the local uh, food stores, uh, have been, uh, it's history. There's ne never coming back unless there is a specific thing that is proprietary to that particular business. Uh, there's always going to be the bigger corporations buying out these small dreams and unfortunately making citizens of this commonwealth work for such a menial wage that they can't just work that job. They have to work multiple jobs just to put food on the table and uh, get those kids the clothes and backpacks they need for school. Um, with the cannabis market, uh, Mike has certainly fought hard for it. I fought hard for it. There's many others who fought hard for it. And we read often that the state has brought in a couple billion dollars since recreational cannabis has uh, become legal. But nobody ever points out that only one segment of the cannabis industry has raked in that money, and that's retail. Now, the majority of that money that is made by retail is only held by a few of those operators. And those operators have consistently played games to put the foot on the throats of small mom and pop businesses aspiring to make it in this industry. And we have received no help. Consistently, uh, lies have been told to the general public that the reason cannabis costs so much is that the cultivators and manufacturers are charging so much. But realistically, um, the price that cannabis has been going for in the wholesale market has dropped from over to 50% since legalization started in the state. But it sells for the same amount at the retail store. So while the operational costs which is significantly higher of than at the uh, off, at the cultivation and manufacturing continues to go up due to supply chain issues and the you know the recession that we're dancing around. We are being haggled for prices and watching uh, the people we sell to use Keystone uh, markups for 130 percent or more in two years of operation. Companies like myself have made very little in profit, oftentimes not having to pay ourselves so we can pay our employees and keep the lights on. The other wrinkle that is not talked about is the fact that retail encourages you to use scrupulous labs that falsify or find ways to give incorrect 
cannabinoid profiles to cannabis. So if you were to use an ethical lab that reports what the product actually is, odds of you selling to a retail is pretty slim because they want the inflated numbers. And I know I'm throwing a lot at you, and there's only so much that uh, somebody like yourself, even in a new position, can do. But I'm looking for somebody in government, which I know there are people who will pay attention to the plight of the people who took all they've ever earned to try to make it. The organizations that actually pay their employees a living wage, who are willing to make the sacrifice and not take a paycheck in order to pay your employees. Because as I've explained to you when you joined my shop, I believe the real trickle-down economics is paying your staff a wage that they can invest back in their communities in the way that others need it. Absolutely. And look, I'm I'm going to jump in here. And thanks, Edward. That was an amazing breakdown. And I loved touring your shop. It was a lot of fun. (laughs) We got some good photos out of that. But look, Massachusetts voters approved a ballot initiative, and we, you and I could get into this conversation all day long. Let me tell you how I can help a state auditor start with. And obviously, there's a lot more that we can get into, but it's going to only take place through conversations like this, right? So that's where, like you said, Mike, the responsiveness, right? We've, are, we've, talked, we've been talking to people for years about some of the challenges that they've been facing. Massachusetts voters approved a ballot initiative to legalize cannabis believing based on the actual text of the ballot question that equity would be at the forefront. Legalization was supposed to ensure that people who were unfairly impacted by cannabis laws would have an opportunity to succeed in this new industry. Uh, But implementation, as we know, has not lived up to these promises. And actually only 8% of businesses are owned by social equity participants, for example, Right. And this isn't necessarily what, you know, we were just talking about with with Edward, but this is something that's part of my my social justice equity audit plan that I want to start taking a look at. That only eight percent of businesses are owned by social equity participants and the industry remains dominated by former medical marijuana companies, which were not subject to any equity goals, right? Our mom and pop shops that Edward was just talking about. We need to support our small businesses, our entrepreneurs, our local families who are trying to break into the small business community. And as auditor, I'll report on the actions of the Cannabis Control Commission and other state agencies to make sure that they're doing everything possible to encourage diversity and equity in the industry. And additionally, I'll be monitoring the licenses to ensure that investors who are partnering with some of these applicants, that they're actually living up to the equity components on their license application. I'll report on disparities between where cannabis revenue was intended to go and how it's actually being spent. State government gets 17% of revenue and taxes. Among other things, the money is intended to be spent on education, for example, substance addiction prevention programs for kids, and supporting social equity in cannabis. But currently, it's very difficult to track how that revenue is actually being spent uh, because, again, once again, these things are getting done under the cloak of darkness up on Beacon Hill, and we need to shine a light on what's happening. Awesome. Uh, I think Ed is still there. I'm going to give you like five more seconds because we got Shalene Title waiting on. Uh, oh, Shalene. Yes. <laughs> so what do you got, Ed? Thank you so much, Mike. The last, the last point I want to make is I have behind the scenes been working with a number of people that sit on the Mass Committee for uh, Joint Committee for Cannabis. 
one of the things I had proposed that is starting to uh, make sense, um, if retail shops have the ability to hold a license to retail, but yet they're able to manufacture pre-rolls or joints, why can't cultivators and manufacturers, a la breweries and wineries, have the ability to sell a small percentage of their inventory to give us a little bit of a boost? The consumer would make out because we would sell at an affordable rate, a small percentage of our inventory. We would make out because instead of watching our products sell for $1.97 a gram, but sold to the consumer at $15 a gram, we would actually be able to make a little bit of profit so we can reinvest in more team members, you know, you know, solidify our business so that we don't have that. We may close down in six months. We may close down in three months. All right. Ed, um, I'm going to add, I'm going to let her answer. You, you asked the question. Go ahead. Uh, State Senator. Yes. Uh, so I, I don't know that there's an answer to what he was just talking about, but what I will say is that, we we have your back and i thank you for having my back in this race and i am uh incredibly excited about the opportunity to potentially continue to work with you um as i have been doing as your state senator uh to continue to work with you as your next state auditor and take this work to the next level where we'll have more authority to be able to effectuate a lot of these changes that are long overdue so thank yeah, you so I, much i think it's a great idea what ed's saying too because like you know you have microbreweries in massachusetts i got a friend that I used to right. be a financial advisor with that runs one river Blunt, river, uh, river walk in Newburyport right yeah, next yeah, yeah. to Ed, which is river gardens, you know? Uh, so you got right. two different and you know, river walk can sell the beer directly to the customers. Right. Ed can't, he has to go to a middleman that's ripping them off. So I would definitely hope that, uh, Ed yeah, we need reforms and we need directly reports. to me as a customer, just like we my need, friend does. We need reports, we need reforms, and we need to shine a light on where those reforms need to be made. And that's something that the auditor's office is able to do. So I'm excited to use that authority to be able to, to potentially help. Um, but it's great to be on here today and start the conversation. Yeah. We also have Shalene Title. Uh, she's been waiting. I'm going to uh, get her on. Ha Hello, Shalene Title. Can you hear us? Yeah. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got all the big time people coming in today. We got the state senator, former uh, C cannabis control commissioner. Di uh, I'm sorry, screw him up my name. Shalene Title. We just had Ed DeSouza on. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm flabbergasted. It's been a while since I've been on. Nice to be back. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure you probably have some questions as well. I do. You know, um, you, you actually addressed something that I wanted to say, which is that I noticed about Senator DiZaglio right from the beginning of my term, especially when there was a lot of stigma around cannabis, that she was really digging in and she was talking to constituents in her district. And we would show up at the same time often at STEM Haverhill, which was one of the first economic empowerment and women-owned business. And I definitely noticed that difference where a lot of officials will say the right things, you know, but they're kind of saying it from their office where she actually goes out, talks to people, calls people back. So it was really nice to hear you uh, mention that earlier as well. Hey, thanks, Elaine. It was great to see you recently at uh, Caroline's uh, fundraiser that she had up in the uh, golf tournament and to uh, talk about economic empowerment. Uh, there were a lot of women owned uh, uh, cannabis businesses that were represented there 
And uh, Shalene came out to actually support. And Shalene and I actually got to know each other when um, one of our local um, recreational shops, uh, in particular, STEM Haverhill, that you just referenced, actually um, was having some tremendous challenges in getting their license. And I remember as, as the senator for that, uh, that site and uh, for Caroline, who was trying to open that site, um, we had been fighting tooth and nail to try to help but there were so many arbitrary restrictions and red tape and all sorts of things to get through. And it was incredibly difficult to navigate. And it seemed like there was roadblock after roadblock and then hurdle after hurdle for her as a social equity applicant. And Shalene was amazing. And I'm sorry, I gotta say it right back to you. Talk about accessibility. I, as a Senator, looking for information to help a constituent to be able to access, you know, what she needed to be successful for her small shop that she was trying to open to create job opportunities in our community and open up her small business. Um, when she was facing those roadblocks, Shalene was the one that I contacted to ask for assistance and to ask for, you know, advice on a potential path forward and to learn more about what was actually happening and why it was happening. And she was able to provide some insight. I was able to learn from her and then take that knowledge and then go to bat for that local recreational establishment. And, you know, they were successful as a result of this team effort where everybody came together and pushed forward. And, you know, now we see a, a really successful uh, small business in the city of Haverhill that is thriving right now, but not just using that thriving for themselves. They're taking the work to the next level by empowering all of these other uh, folks who also are facing some challenges and making sure that they have resources as well and connect, helping to connect them uh, with the assistance they need to be able to succeed. So I really do look, um, I know, I know that I'm preaching to the choir here, but, you know, staying together and communication and taking the work that we've been doing uh, on making sure that we have transparency, accountability, and equity from our state government to the auditor's office the auditor's role is one in which you can effectuate tremendous change by opening up state government to look and see where the challenges are taking place. We talk a lot about, you know, in auditing finances and everybody, you know, thinks immediately, should say everybody, but most people, when I talk to them, they'll think, you know, oh, you're going to audit. So that's all finances, right? And it is partly finances, but it's also uh, something that has to do with qualitative audits where you are able to actually look at the processes and the procedures that are taking place in various state agencies and across state government and do a qualitative analysis of what's occurring to see if those processes, if those procedures are actually benefiting the residents in our communities or if they're harming them. And if they're harming them disproportionately so. For example, look, our state contracting here in the state of Massachusetts only 0.005% of our state contracts, which is in the billions of taxpayer dollars annually, only 0.005% go out to minority businesses. And GBH has done some great reporting on this, highlighting those disparities and the lack of diversity, the lack of equity in state contracting. And we hear pontifications at the state house all the time about the importance of DEI and, and all of these different things. But yet when we actually look at what's actually occurring, even after all these years of, of us all talking about this, 
we still have only 0.005% of state contracts that go out to minority businesses. That is completely unacceptable. So I, in my social justice and equity audit plan, which can be found on my website, have uh, put as my first three, the top three priorities on that site uh, are auditing and investigating these state contracts and these procurement processes to find out where we can be more equitable across the board. Because the auditor does have subpoena authority to go in to state contracts and to require the production of documents, the production of testimony, to be able to get to the bottom of what's occurring. And this has usually been used for, you know, to check in on privatization efforts um, or in other areas where contracts need to be reviewed to make sure that there are no errors or, you know, nothing was missed and everything's going the way it's supposed to be going. But I want to take that work to the next level and I want to make sure that we're using that power and that authority of that office, which is, um, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot of authority to be able to look at these contracts to make our government more equitable across the board. And I think that that is something that, you know, since we're talking about cannabis, I mean, you know, that's something that absolutely can help to shine a light on where systems are failing across the board. And hopefully as well, as you're talking about, Jalene, you know, help the cannabis industry as well. Jalene? That's really helpful, especially there's probably a lot of listeners that are like me that only pay attention to cannabis when it comes to policy and don't necessarily know a lot about what an auditor does. Um, can you talk about, uh, I know tax revenue is a really big issue because it does not seem like the tax revenue is going where it's supposed to go for cannabis and probably in other areas as well. What could the auditor do about that? Yeah, so the the reality is, is that, look, you know, when we when we voted on that that provision on that ballot question and it passed and it came back, um, it was incumbent upon the legislature to respect the will of the voters. Um, and, you know, while the legislature did pass a piece of cannabis legislation, it was not, uh, you know, something that was actually subject to the terms of what was on the ballot in that the revenue that is coming in be spent in certain areas and earmarks to certain areas, right? Um, so what ended up happening is the legislative leadership team made everything subject to appropriation. <laughs> that that little line, that phrase, dot, 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 subject to appropriation after, you know, we're going to invest here, there, and everywhere. We're going to put funding into schools. We're going to put funding into you know, uh, addiction services and to cannabis equity and to all these different things, right? Um, that language got all, instead of being a mandate, was all made subject to appropriation, which means that basically it's subject to the will of whoever happens to be in a position of power in the legislature in that given year. Uh, so because of that, what ends up happening is all that money is going into the general fund. And it's very difficult to track how the money is being spent in the general fund because it is, um, you know, it's not necessarily tied now to cannabis revenue. Cannabis revenue just goes, yeah, it's commingled with all the other funds. everything else. All the other revenue that goes into the general fund, right? So when people spend money on education or on healthcare or on transportation or on whatever it's going towards, you can't necessarily say, well, that came from the cannabis revenue. So what I would do, Shalene, is start with the basics, right? And we're talking about day one. Start with the basics of working together with you, for example, um, and folks like you who have a deep knowledge and understanding of this issue to use the bully pulpit of the office 
to number one, call for changes to that as a statewide office holder, but also do an analysis of how much we actually receive and then how much is actually been, how much has potentially been increased through the years, right? In certain areas. So if we were gonna add all of this other, all of these other funds to certain, uh, you know, um, agencies or to certain organizations or to certain uh, areas of government, so to speak, uh, let's look at first and just do a comparative analysis to start with how much we were spending years ago and how much we're spending now and then look at how much we have in cannabis revenue coming in and, and, and see if we can show, you know, if there is a disparity there or not. We should, we should be able to, to know if there is. So I would start there. And, uh, you know, the rest of it is, again, making sure to use the bully pulpit of the office to make sure that those funds are separated from the general fund so that there is transparency around how much is coming in and then where it is going. It's one thing to know how much is coming in. It's another thing to know where it's then going. And taxpayers deserve to know where their tax dollars are being spent. It's a simple matter of transparency and accountability. Awesome. Thank you so much. Shalene, do you have any last comment or? Yeah, last comment before I drop off, thanks, is that, um, well, first, I just want to make sure that uh, I correct that now the legislature has passed a bill and we do have tax revenue going to the social equity trust fund and senator you were a big part of using your current bully pulpit for that from the beginning so kudos to you and your yes. colleagues and then as a closing comment i just want to say that like we are so awful on transparency for people don't who don't know how bad massachusetts is where we get an f on all of like the national scorecards and i think Senator Gisaglio has not only been great on cannabis, but has also been wonderful on transparency. And so it does seem like totally natural fit as to why you're interested in this position. It, it really comes across and it's it's very you. And I look forward to supporting you. Yeah. Thank you so much for your support, Shalene. And yes, thank you for adding that in at the end, because we have made some recent changes in legislation. Thanks to the advocates like yourselves uh, who have been pounding the pavement, making your voices heard, beating the drum and making sure that the legislature does take action. We did make recently some good reforms. There is still much more work to be done, but we did get some important legislation to help with some of these issues across the finish line. I'm looking forward to that implementation. I'm leaving, but Mike, also I just want to thank you because you have been excellent in your coverage of cannabis. You say things before other people say it, like sometimes years before you actually rethink, oh, sure. you know what you're talking about. You do an excellent oh, job. You. Keep it up. Shalene, I was just about to thank you for the, the transparency part, just bringing that up because it's so true about uh, the state senator and you're awesome too. And uh, I thank you. Thank you for calling in. Absolutely. Take care. Thanks, Thanks Shalene. Shalene title. It's funny. I, I end up defending Shalene a lot now from some of my cannabis activist friends who are more extreme than me. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it's she's awesome. She is. I don't. Shalene has been an incredible resource yeah, yeah. to me and to my office and to the residents in my district. Yeah. I have to say, Mike. You know, I mean, look, we've had questions here and there, and you know, as a, as a legislator and as an elected official, you need to be a Jack and Jane of all, or Jack and Jane of all trades, right? You know, there's there's a public safety issue, there's a veterans issue, there's a an elderly issue. There is a, you know, housing issue. 
there's an education issue. So you need to be able to quickly move from one topic to the next on any given day based on what your constituency needs and what vote is coming up in the state legislature. And you need to be able to rely on experts in the field because you're not necessarily an expert on every single thing that you're voting on. And it is incumbent upon elected officials to learn daily and to continue to grow and to educate ourselves about the challenges that folks are facing and then about potential paths forward because there could be multiple paths forward, right? And folks could say, no, this is the right direction. That's the right direction. And only through the work of folks like Shalene, you, Ed, and many others have we been able to actually you know, see some progress on these things because you continually take the time to educate the legislators at the state house to educate the administration, to educate our state agencies, and to help to educate our constituencies as well. A lot of folks in our communities have questions about, you know, some of the impacts of, for example, you know, recreational, uh, uh, you know, marijuana facilities where there might be questions, there might be concerns, there might be those who, you know, think that there may be challenges associated, right? You've helped to Help, you've helped to educate our communities um, about some of these different challenges and make sure that folks understand and, you know, have really helped a lot of these mom and pop shops to be able to to make a positive impact and to help our communities. I got a friend in the uh, in the in the wait, you know, green room waiting. And I think he was losing his mind. I could watch him. <laughs> He's oh, been no. waiting the longest. We're going to get him in. But I want to read Bill. You got one more second because I want to read a couple comments that came in. Uh, for Shalene title one uh, Facebook uh, commenter wrote Shalene is like the national expert on social equity a mall the native native and my hero I think that's Warren Lynch that wrote that uh, also another comment was Shalene title already asked a way better question than I had exactly I usually ask the questions but I'm like you know let Shalene ask the questions we need Shalene to run for office I'm just yeah, gonna put that that's out what there. I've been saying forever <laughs> she needs to run yeah <laughs> We got just Bill uh, here. He's uh, a local music guy. He's a, he's a, I don't know. He's hard to describe. He's a good guy. Just Bill. <laughs> he's also like a, uh, like, I think a carpenter or a fix it guy. He, he He's very creative. Play us just, a song. Go get your guitar. Yeah. No, he, he mostly photographs the bands. I believe maybe he does play music too. I'm not sure. We'll find out. Just Bill. What's up? How you doing everybody? Good. Hey. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Um, no, I'm not upset. I have a lot of patience. I've been really enjoying the show so far. So uh, if you had an interview another person, I'd be just enjoying it. So, uh, uh, yes, I play seven instruments. No one knows that. That's um, awesome. That is awesome. Um, but uh, my love is music, but I also love people, and I love listening to everyone else's music. So uh, for the last 20 years, I've been a rock photographer, I go out to local shows before the pandemic. It was every week, and I don't care if you're famous or not. If you if you if you uh, got if you entertain an audience, I want to get your picture. And every photo I take, I want to make you look like a rock star or someone famous. And that's always been my goal. Um, even though I can't take my own photo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Selfies um, are tough for all of us. I feel like it's I mean, terrible. I feel like some people some people get it down. But, you know, they have a science to it, but I, I haven't figured out that science yet either. So don't feel bad. I know you have a good question. I want to get to the question, but I also want to note that I've seen uh, State Senator Diana DiZoglio in video singing 
and it quite well. So maybe you want to start photographing her as well when yeah. she's singing. It's <laughs> an idea. But I'm not planning on quitting my day job. That's ca- I'm, yeah. I'm a, I, I try to be a karaoke queen, but you know, <laughs> yeah, we're, not, we, we're not quitting the day job yet. <laughs> and my day job is, yes, I've been a carpenter all my life. My last name is Woodworth. My family's uh, been here since 1630. Uh, we built ships in the 1800s for the United States government until they started making them out of metal. Um, so it's, it's in my, uh, and right now my current job is amazing. I build movie sets for a living. Uh, I'm working for Sony, so, uh, Sony movie production right now. And we work really hard. And that actually, that also brings, brings me into the question I do have. You guys want to start, if you don't mind me starting. No, that's what we want. Go um, get right to the question. About getting to work. I mean, I sent out 166 emails on Tuesday night because I was really concerned about losing my job because the RMV is is horrendous right now, more than horrendous than anyone can mm-hmm. think of. Um, but before I go into that, I just feel as though Massachusetts really doesn't really have a worry about its citizens getting to work from the MBTA to the RMV. I mean, we all we all know what's going on with the MBTA, and that's really I mean people have to get to work. But then I then my vehicle last week became dangerous to drive, so it was an adult thing. I got a new vehicle, but I didn't realize I would have to wait two to three weeks to put it on the road because the RMV is so backed up and screwed up. And mm-hmm. that's and that's what I went through. I mean, I went to five different places. I mean, the first place I was in Watertown on on Tuesday morning. I was there for four hours, and then they just sent me away. And it's like, and then they're telling me I have to like make an appointment, but the appointments are two to three weeks out. And I can't take two to three weeks off because you guys can't look over three documents in stamping. Yeah, Bill, you're not alone in this. Our office, one of the one of the calls we get most in my Senate office right now. And you know, just to remind listeners, I am running for state auditor. I'll be on your ballot statewide mm-hmm. on Tuesday, September 6th. Please vote for me for state auditor. But currently I serve as a state senator and I do still have my Senate job to do, right? So one of the calls that we get the most is about challenges at the RMV and about processes and procedures at the RMV being you know, done in a fashion that's not really something that's as helpful as it could be to residents. And we have seen this you know, not really start to subside since the, um, the pandemic shutdown period actually finished. There was a lot of catch up that needed to be done Certainly, we understand that that was a time that was unprecedented, but it's time to start getting back on track now. It's been time to get back on track for quite a while now. So I am committed to conducting an audit of the RMV. And actually, when I first started talking about this, um, it was when we had that situation in Brockton where there was the uh, scandal, so to speak, and uh, it was found that potentially a couple thousand people had actually gotten their licenses without actually even taking a test, which is a huge public safety issue and it's a huge accountability issue. So I had spoken at that time about the need to conduct an audit of the RMV to make sure that you know it's functioning to its best capacity and to shine a light in the areas where the RMV can do better and needs to do better. And I'm just gonna add to that right now just because this is something that we're all seeing on the news every single day, every time we turn on our phones or televisions or read the newspaper or whatever, or even talk with friends, or try to take the train to work, the MBTA is literally catching on fire right now. Speaking of 
uh, you know, the RMV and transportation related matters, I have committed to conduct a safety audit of the MBTA and have been working together with the MBTA inspectors union to identify some of the areas that we can start with in a safety audit to make sure that workers and riders are protected. Uh, this is something that has happened because of many, many, many years um, of a failed system of trans a failed, a failed transportation culture in which management neglected the needs of workers and riders and safety protocols. And now everybody is paying the price. So uh, one of the first things I plan on doing as well is a safety audit of the MBTA in addition to working on the RMV challenges and shining a light. Now, again, just to be clear, the auditor, um, the role of the auditor is to be the whistleblower, the, the person that speaks truth to power, the watchdog, uh, and the person that helps to shine a light in those areas of state government uh, where folks say, hey, there's an issue here, there's a challenge here, this process is not working out and it's, it's creating struggles for working families in our communities. The auditor's job is to go in and say, all right, well, let's talk about this and let, let's look at what's happening and let's open up the books and let's open up the process and let's see where the process is failing our families in our communities. So I'm excited to get to work on that. And I hope that you'll be calling my office to chat with me about your experience. Hopefully when I'm your next state auditor, I can't do that without your support though. So I do ask for it and uh, look forward to hopefully getting to work on this issue alongside of you. What do you think, Bill? Oh, that's fantastic. I actually, uh, uh, when I, I got to the, the, end, the end of the night on Tuesday, I was like, I don't want people losing my job. Um, there's no way they're going to let me take three weeks off or two weeks off right. uh, suddenly. And um, I did something I never thought I would ever do, but I was like, what am I going to do? So, well, if I'm going to lose my job and I'm gonna, if I'm actually going to get my truck and go to the unemployment office, oh, that's not good. So I emailed 166 uh, representatives of Massachusetts and it actually works. And that's that, that whole thing just changed. But I was like, oh, this is not going anywhere. And I woke up and woke up the next morning. You realize like, that they work for you for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I think that's a problem we have. I do. I think that's a big bill. And I were talking about this offline a little earlier because, you know, I think so many people don't have any faith in the system. And it's like, you just got to try. You just got to build their try. To, you got results, right? Yeah. Well, I was like, this really changes everything for me. It's like, well, wait a minute. Uh, we should be contacting you when there's an issue instead of like getting mad at it because a lot of us do and just you know and lose faith altogether so well you can't lose faith altogether unless you make a phone call i mean i i really didn't believe anything was going to happen to the next and of course at nine o'clock the next morning i, I i'm i'm getting responses i was in they got me in and um but i also reminded the people who contact me on Wednesday morning and say that email was not about just me losing my job and not able to get in the RMV. That email is about me. Everyone's got this problem. That's I right. mean, the, the post I posted, I was, I was, I said, Hey, I post on Facebook and social media saying I'm having problems on the RMV. And next, thing you know, it was a whole list of people telling right. me all the things going, the, the difficulties they have. And it's like, That's yeah, I saw I saw your post and it's it's a big problem. Uh, I thank you so much for calling in tonight, Bill. I hope you do follow up with the senator. Are you voting I on will. Tuesday? You're voting on Tuesday, right? Of course. Now since I met 
Yeah. Yeah. Please make sure you go to yeah, vote because I'm, totally I'm pulling voting. neck you and neck, vote. and I need your support. We're <laughs> so, gonna get you I'm more involved. Yeah, yeah. You become I enjoy a yeah. voting. We're literally, yeah. uh, my opponent and I are in a in a in a dead heat, so as they say. Uh, as I've been reading, <laughs> and, uh, it, yeah, the new, actually, new poll came out. It's going to be really according close. according to the polls. According to the polls, so yeah. I will tell you, you know, the, the 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 only poll that matters is the poll on primary night, right? right? So night. we need to make sure that y'all get out to vote. And I do respectfully ask for your vote. I've been working incredibly hard alongside of uh, many of you who are listening. That some of you have jumped on, which I appreciate. We um, actually and we need more. to continue. We need to continue yeah. this good work. We need to continue I, this good I'm work. I'm get rid of Bill. I'm gonna. Uh, are you still? I'm gonna add one more person. He's been waiting to. Bye, Bill. He, uh, we have Warren Lynch. Warren Lynch, you, you got to be quick because we're over time. She's hey, giving Warren. us way more time. Yeah. Hello. What's going on, my friend? Um. So, uh, you're basically saying to us that um, when you're elected as state auditor, that uh. Mike Crawford can come and tell you about stuff. <laughs> Him and Shailene Title can come and tell you stuff about cannabis, and you'll look into it in the in the auditing process, and maybe the the MBTA too. Well, uh, Shailene and Mike have had a seat at my table for quite some time now, <laughs> and uh, hopefully the table will be a little bit bigger, and we'd love to include you as well and hear your comments and your concerns. And so the answer is yes. And then uh, regarding the MBTA, yes. Have I you guys, have you guys ever talked actually, Warren no. as senator? No? Okay. Because War Warren is very active in Malden as well. He's, yeah. he's uh, he, he, some people, they either love him or they are scared of him. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, that sounds familiar, Mike. I think all three of us actually. I don't necessarily have, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, not everyone's a fan of my fight for transparency, accountability, and equity. Yeah. Uh, in particular, uh, the Beacon Hill establishment. But uh, I will tell you, it's the right thing to do. And hey, you know, I mean, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything, right? So thanks for your advocacy. And I hope to earn your support. And if you live in Malden, please tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your family, send some text messages out, post on social media, do whatever you got to do to get the word out there. We could use your support to continue to do this good work. Yeah, you got my support now. Um, I mean, you know, you're going to listen to Shailene title that's and, and audit the social equity fund that that sounds great to me. I'll tell people to vote for you. Thank you so much. I can't do it without you. And I'm very, very grateful. Hey, it's great to have been here. Thank uh, you so on much. The young State jerks. Super, yeah. super excited. You killed can't it. wait. Can't wait to come back on. I really, really appreciate it. And um, look, it's been the humble honor of my life. And I, I mean that sincerely uh, to have been able to serve my communities locally in the Merrimack Valley for the last 10 years. I'd love to be able to serve the entire state now in a capacity that allows me to effectuate changes through auditing, investigating, but also reporting on some of the areas that we can and must do better in state government and help to advocate for the changes that need to be made once we identify where those gaps are. I can't do that without your partnership, though, so I do want to say thank you. Mike, for your partnership, thank you to all of our listeners who have been advocating and speaking to your elected officials and spreading the good word and working together to make sure that we make positive changes in our communities. Uh, look, a lot people running for office like myself, we can't do anything that we do without your interactive support. 
So thank you so much. Thanks for, you know, continuing to educate us all, for working together with us. And I look to bring your voices to uh, a statewide level and be the people's auditor and represent everyday people who want transparency and accountability and equity from their state government. Thank you so much. That is State Senator Diana DiZoglio from Methuen. You can vote for her on Tuesday in Massachusetts, anywhere in Massachusetts, Tuesday on the primary ballot for our state auditor. You can vote for her. I, I think it would be a good vote. I'm not going to tell people how to vote in this race, but I think it would be a good vote. I, I, I definitely thank you so much for the for the, all the time and everything you've done for us and uh, the, the Commonwealth. And, and locally, you know, the Merrimack Valley. Thank you so much, uh, State Senator. Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we'll see you soon. Thank Take you. care. Have a great night and enjoy the rest of the show. You too. Thank you. Oh, she's great. What, what do you think, Warren? I, I was impressed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm keeping you to the end. You're my, uh, my <laughs> like, you know, and the show guy. You're like, you oh, know, thanks. the kids table is here. The kids table. Yay, the kids table. I, yeah, I, I mean. This is weird for me. The last, I don't know. I don't know if you've noticed the shows since COVID. It just kind of got weird for me. And now I got this new studio. It's uh -huh. still strange to me. It's like, yeah. I'm kind of off. I don't know if you can tell. I don't know. It's no? like everything is different with the COVID. Yeah. But you know I, what happened? I, I think everything. it was a good show though. I mean, I had fun tonight. Did you? I mean, you were yeah, listening. What do I you think? I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. And what do you, yeah. Uh, the stuff I was curious about, you know, Shailene went right into it. I was like, going to ask, you know, what can the state auditor actually do that has to do with, you know, our favorite issues, you know, cannabis or racial justice or environment, somebody's issue that they care about, you know, what can the state auditor do? And she just had examples for cannabis and, and uh, the RMV. It, it was impressive. So you're down. Have you been following some of the other uh, scandalous stuff going on in Boston oh, no. right now? Or are you just focusing on, well, on your dispensary? Because you you had a meeting this week as well for your dispensary, right? Oh, yeah. It went really well. Good. Um, yeah, there was there was some controversy. You remember Neil Kinnon? Oh, yeah. Doc Neil. <laughs> yeah, he, he was there and he had a lot of concerns about us. But uh <laughs> It, oh it, man, it, I missed out. I had a good show last night, but I that was last night. I man, I would have loved to be there to see Dale Kinnon. Oh man. Oh well, you should come to the next one. Maybe. Um, like the uh, half of the questions that he had for us, audience members answered answer? them for us. <laughs> and and uh, at one Neil, point, instead of coming to city council with all your questions, just ask your neighbors. Yeah, and at one point, uh, a former uh, state rep gave him a noogie. Um, on camera, which was just pretty kind of epic. I've never seen a noogie in politics before. <laughs> I, I want to ask, did City Council Spadafora show up? He's nope. Doing oh, good. Nope, he wasn't there. I, I've been holding back some audio of, of him and for a podcast, and I just wonder if I should oh, interesting. drop it. Yeah, I mean, it's public audio. You've heard it, but it's just so classic. I don't know if I should. I don't want to make it worse for you over there. You know, a bunch of, <laughs> yeah. bunch of, I mean, they really are a bunch of jackasses. Some of those folks in Malden, there's some really good people in Malden. And I think yeah. uh, the good people are going to prevail, but geez, you know, you're, you're dealing with a lot of shenanigans over there. Yeah. There's, there's extremes of both sides in Malden for sure. You've met 
uh, Counselor Amanda, she's super nice, but O'Malley's uh, cool. Uh, Linehan's yeah. awesome. Uh, a couple other guys are good too. Yeah, there's a few. Yeah, mostly good people. Couple. Yeah, uh, and then there's a couple, there's other couple ones people that, that just are national like <laughs> nincompoops. Like they're like on a national level of being like jackasses. Like they've like you know if there's like a jackass competition in your local town. <laughs> You know, like those angry dudes who like hate everything and are always like, <laughs> like causing problems, making the town look racist. They're like on a national level of that. They're like the biggest jackasses. Yeah. Like they really yeah, are. Definitely, like, there is some yeah. of that involved for sure. I don't yeah. want to name names right now. I don't want to get you. Yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> You're gonna lose your dispensary license after this. Well, we should end this call. <laughs> but uh, I want to thank you too. Uh, Warren Lynch for calling in tonight. And oh, thank you. I, I want to thank all our callers. We had uh, Shaleen Title, former cannabis control commissioner, Ed D'Souza, who uh, is an owner of uh, River Run Gardens. And oh, yeah, uh, just Bill and Warren Lynch. Good calls, <laughs> all of them. And I especially want to thank State Senator Diana DeZoglio. I also want to figure out the headphones. That's what's I guess that's what's bugging me right now. I love the studio, but my voice sounds too loud. Like I, I, I haven't figured out how to turn my voice down and keep everyone else's the same. You know what I'm saying? No. Yeah, that sounds tough. Yeah, that's what it is. And I just figured it right now when I'm pulling my headphones away. That's probably what I should just do is move them off yeah, my ears a little more. But then yeah, I'll probably be like, I can't hear you. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's just new studio equipment. You have to figure it out. It, it takes time. I'm learning things. Tonight we took phone calls on the fly. We were doing all kinds of stuff. We had two calls coming at once. It was <laughs> all myself. I'm, I'm self-produced now, and I do have a little team that helps me. Obviously, uh, I don't do all of this by myself. Let's put it that way. But mostly, uh, you know, live show. I'm producing it myself. So exciting times for the young jerks. I want to thank Warren Lynch again. Uh, what do you think about the show lately? Because we're, we're, you know, we haven't been I, around. We're starting to come back a little bit. What do you think? I had fun. Uh, you always ask really good questions, and you have really great guests. And I'm excited about uh, your, you know, your show's future. Sound, you know, it, it looks cool to me. <laughs> a, a, anything that, any any negatives? Anything that you like? You know what? You should fix this or or work on that or. I get that from um, Carm a lot. She's good at that. Oh, gosh. Well, you probably got it all from Carm because you're doing really good, man. Yeah, we'll find out after the show. We'll talk <laughs> to Carm. We'll be like, Carm, she she was like walking through the studio at one point, and uh, I was like, oh, man, she's going to tell me something's wrong. I know it. Like, And I was like, and then she well, left. She, I don't know. Maybe she was going to tell me it was good tonight. I don't know. We'll find out. Well, she's a professional. Oh, she's, she's going to have you know, better tips than I would. She's my number one team member. Believe me. She is so good at this stuff. She's uh, worth every dollar. I, I know. Obviously I'm not paying her, you know, big money. <laughs> <laughs> Any other, <laughs> I'll buy her dinner. All right. Uh, I thank you so much. Warren Lynch. Thank Young you. jerks checking out. Uh, you know what? Monday night, we're going to do a endorsement show. Talking about campaigns and candidates. I hope that you would actually be part of that on Monday night sure. if you're around at 7 p.m. Uh, Come up with yeah. people you want to endorse if you have time. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That's what we're doing. We're going to discuss campaigns and candidates we want people to vote for. 
Awesome. And we're taking callers too. I mean, we're de definitely taking uh, some calls from campaigns. Uh, well, one person I'm endorsing out of the blue, I've never talked to them before, um, but I think they may actually be calling in is uh, the Essex County uh, Sheriff candidate, huh. Virginia Lee. So, you know, cool. we're probably going to get some calls from campaigns too on Monday night, Monday night, 7 p.m. I hope people check in, listen, call in. Uh, if you have any campaigns or candidates you want to support, you can call in that night. If you, uh, or, you know, I'm audience wise too, if anyone in the audience is working for a campaign or candidate that they want to get a last minute pitch out to the, the world, they can either have the can't, you know, the campaign candidate or, you know, person who supports them call in. Pitch Exciting. the world. Yeah. Well, Monday night. And I hope everyone votes on Tuesday. You got to vote. Massachusetts Tuesday is the primary. You got to vote. And if you don't know who to vote for, find out. Call your friends. Call your family. Uh, even better, do some research. Find out, you know, check out the websites. Websites always tell you, I think, right away if that's your candidate or not. You mm -hmm. know, and, and the number one thing I look for is, are they talking about the issues on the website? Mm -hmm. Because if a campaign isn't talking about policy, specific policy issues, yeah, it's all graphic design. You know, they're shady. Yeah, and and that's one of the reasons I'm going to endorse the state rep, uh, state senate candidate uh, over in Danvers, the young guy who came on the show. Mm -hmm. He's a policy wonk. He's all about, and he's got the good policies. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna definitely. Uh, I think we actually already did endorse him, but we're gonna be talking about him on Monday night. A lot of other campaigns like that. So I hope everyone checks it checks it out. Calls in. Get the phone number. Put it in your phone. Nine seven eight. Five six zero three one five five. I gotta memorize it now. That's our new phone number. Thank you, everyone. Young jerks checking out. Thank you, Warren Lynch. We'll see you on Monday night, hopefully seven p.m. Everyone. Uh, actually, before we check out, I'm just gonna. Uh, video is absolutely fearless. Born to a 17-year-old mother, Diana Desaglio grew up housing insecure. After being sexually harassed and forced to sign a non-disclosure agreement, Diana fought to end these secret deals for other victims. I'm Diana Desaglio. I've stood up to Beacon Hill's most powerful politicians to fight for transparency, accountability, and equity. And I'll continue to stand up for you as your next state auditor. Diana will be the people's auditor.